Welcome to Bears on Tap, brought to you by ontapsportsnet.com and presented by Manscaped. If you're looking for the best manscaping products on the planet, go to manscaped.com and browse their awesome selection. The Lawnmower 3.0 brings you 7,000 RPMs of skin safe technology so you don't nick your balls or any other sensitive areas. Are you looking to keep your boys fresh all day long? No problem. Go and pick up the ball toner and deodorant so you're fresh all day long. Go to manscaped.com and use promo code ONTAP to get 20% off and free shipping on all your manscaping needs. Red Grange joined us immediately after his last collegiate game against Ohio State. Yeah. And you say Shot City. Shot City. Shot City. Coming home again. Quick pitch to Walter, looking for the record, cuts back, he's got it, he's out of it at 25. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. You know they said that money calling, that money on the phone. What is going on, everyone, and welcome back to Bears on Tap. We are back with another victory podcast, and it feel I couldn't tell you how great it feels. You can go ahead and follow us at Bears on Tap or follow on Tap Sportsnet for all of your Chicago sports needs. I'm Lucas Perfetti. You can go ahead and follow me at Lucas Perfetti 46. I also have alongside me that pod guy, Duke Duke Coughlin, and Beat on 300, Brandon Suarez. Like I said, we are discussing that Minnesota Vikings win. Absolute nail biter. Gentlemen, how are we feeling? Listen, I'm going to say it right now, this Chicago bears team has their meat on the table and either everyone in Chicago can join them or get the fuck out of the way. Cause we're rolling baby. Yeah. What a great game from the offense. Mitch was able to move the ball down the field. Montgomery had a career high on the ground with over 140 yards rushing. Allen Robinson looked like a pro bowl, all pro level wide receiver today. Defense didn't look great, but they found a way to get away uh, to get out of uh, Minnesota with a victory. And there's only two games left on the schedule. We got our work cut out for us. Let's go ahead and make the playoffs, boys. Yeah, 100 percent. You know, and we saw the game kind of start out with a little bit of a sputter um, as we have with a with a three and out. But then right away, Mitchell Trubisky, I mean, that ball that he threw to Allen Robinson in the toe tap, that play right there was so unbelievable. And I'm sure someone's going to figure out a way to say that, you know, it didn't have enough air yards or they didn't like the trajectory of the throw because when they queef, it fucking splits the wind too hard or whatever it is. The reality is Mitchell Trubisky balled out. And as you know, anyone on this podcast that listens to this podcast, we're all about Mitch. We're Mitch guys. And, um, I have to point out the obvious first before we talk about how good of a game or efficient of a game he had. Don't make that throw ever, Mitchell. If you're listening, Mitchell, right there, you played a perfect game. But at the end of the day, the defense has not been playing like the defense as of late. You need to understand the situation and take care of the fucking ball. That's an egregious mistake. And if this game ended with a loss, I would never blame it on Mitchell Trubisky. But at the same time, huge key play. Can't make that fucking mistake, especially when you've been rolling the way you have, Mitchell. Come on, my guy. 
Yeah, man. And you live to fight another day. It's as simple as that. You know, Mitch was insanely efficient today, but on that, on that play, I, I feel like we all just kind of shook our heads, you know, cause it was like, Mitch, we were all behind you. You've had a great game. That's just one. You got to let sail bro- brother. You know, even if you're throwing it away, find a spot in that end, in that Minnesota end zone, you know, over by the, where the fans would sit and throw the ball as hard as you fucking can at that. Throw it at the fucking pole. I don't care what you do. Get it out of the field to play. The play blew up. I can almost imagine the second that ball went out of Mitch's hand, he knew. It's just one of those you just to be you honest though, accept defeat on, man. I kind of want to chalk it up to the announcer because that fucking guy, as soon as he said, Oh, they're playing a both uh both offenses are playing a really clean game, no turnovers so far. I fucking knew I knew something was gonna happen. And that prick, I screamed it right away. I'm like, dude. Announcers jinx next play interception. So again, Mitch, hold on to the ball, but announcer don't be a dickhead. I also don't like the play call. I mean, I understand the level of success that we've seen with Jimmy Graham in the red zone and just being able to literally just throw it. You could literally go out there with the blindfold, throw it to Jimmy Graham and nine times out of 10, he's caught it this year, you know, in the end zone. But in that situation, you got to kind of know the situation and you don't have to force that that touchdown. You don't have to force points there. You can take the field goal. And, and like Duke said, you live to see another day. And luckily, the defense was able to get a stop. And one thing I've kind of noticed is like the Vikings might be the worst good rushing offense I've ever seen in my life, because whenever they need like a yard, like Fourth can't and one, it. third and one, yeah. can't fucking get it. Ever. Law Nichols had a huge ever. fucking game talking about fourth and one, yeah. huge game. That's huge the, that's what led I, to the interception. Him and Urban had great games, and it's like, I don't know. I it, it makes me beg the question again, another week in a row. Like, how the fuck are we even in this position? This is such a playoff team, bro. Like, you it's, know what I'm saying? The problem is, I mean, and we're going to get into everything more specifically, but I think realistically, again, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, we're not the biggest fans of Nagy, but the only person's seat that should be hotter than Chuck or than Matt Nagy is Chuck Pagano. It's getting to the point where it's fucking ridiculous. I understand we were down two starting corners. Both those guys actually played pretty fucking well for being, you know, an undrafted rookie or a six round pick and a fifth round pick that really got thrown into starting action out of left field. Like I thought they actually both played pretty well with Shelly and Vildor. But the reality is like, there's no way that this defense could fall off like this. There's just way too much talent. It's, it's insane at this point. And I remember Chuck Pagano's introductory press conference was just kind of like, if I stay out of the way, this defense will be good. So obviously he's doing some shit that's so egregiously bad. And like at the end for that hail Mary, I saw, I was like mortified. I was on the phone with buzz. Shout out to buzz on tap. I was mortified because I was like, dude, I see Nagy and Pagano collaborating right now to, to come up with a call for this last play of the game. And that could only lead to fucking bad things. Like I'm worried. That's really bad when your main offensive coach, your head coach and your defensive coordinator, you get worried when you see them collaborating on the sidelines. Yeah, man. And I, I kind of really want to build off of uh, Duke Shelley and Kendall the I think they did have both have some pretty good games. Um, I think that early touchdown to Thielen, that was kind of a miscommunication, but that's something that's going to happen sure. when you're he not on the field. Wide open to it, not yeah. 
but that's just one of those things that happens. You know what I mean? You kind of had that moment with both Vildor and uh, Shelly that they were kind of just pointing at each other, you know, think of the Spider-Man meme, but um, it, it's just one of those things that happens. You know what I mean? That's, that's also that, Pagano though. You shouldn't have your two rookie corners stacked up on, on the side like that together. No, 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 you're right. You're right. I get that. And I'm going to get to that. Uh, the point I'm just trying to make is that's something you have to live and die with when you have two young cornerbacks who have not really seen game action in there to the Chuck Pagano point, dude, it, you, you see everything wrong with it, especially on that last drive of just playing too far off the ball, allowing that catch by Justin Jefferson on the sidelines, dude, the sidelines should be completely off fucking limits in that situation. Have three guys deep, give them the middle of the field and underneath, let them have that because they have to rush to the football. If they, if they take anything like that, you know what I mean? And it, when you allow fucking out routes to the outside, you allow guys to get out of bounds. And that just gave them that extra opportunity at the end, man. They yeah, had time. Well, and that's what bothers me the most is because I think, and I'm going to get one point and then beat on. I want to, I want to go to you there. We all knew the Chicago bears knew Minnesota Vikings knew that at that point in the field position, I think that they were on the bears 45 or 43, something like that. Kirk cousins does not have the arm to get it into the fucking end zone. I think everybody knew that he was going to take a quick check down. There was no reason you should have been playing so soft. Of course you don't want to get burned deep, but that's fine. Then put some extra fucking safety help over the top, run a, run a zone where you're covering the flats a little bit harder and you have your, your back end. you even run a cover six and, and have it give up a little bit more of the middle of the field. Cause if they catch it in the middle of the field, you tackle them. They're not going to be able to spike the ball. So I just feel like how did everyone know that that's what they were going to do because Kirk cousin doesn't have the arm, but Chuck Pagano. That's what bothers me. Go ahead. Be done. Yeah. And I'd like to say Kendall Vildor actually had a pretty good game. In my opinion today, he was throwing, some big, throwing some big hits and playing good coverage, but yeah, that, like you said, before we even started to record that ball was in the air for, it seemed like a lifetime. Like I, first and foremost, don't know why it wasn't batted down in that situation. Cause they tipped it back up and I'm like, Oh no, like here comes the pain. Luckily it ended up going down, but on the topic of Pagano, it's like, it's frustrating to watch because we know how talented this defense is. And even in a game like today where they still ended up giving up 27 points for the most part, like the pass rush was there Hell and, yeah. you're, and you're playing and you're playing with, you know, backup corners against a one of the better receiving tandems in the league, you know, this season with Thielen and Jefferson and Chad Beebe does some things. And so does Irv Smith jr. So it's like on top of having to deal with Delvin cook, I think the defense could play a little bit better, but you know, they, they are not put in the best positions to win. No. Yeah. It's not in in a schematic. Yeah. In a schematic seat. Like I forgot what fucking play it was. But we talked about it in our in our group chat where Pagano sent fucking nine people on like a third down. Like, what are we doing here? I mean, if I could make one point here, you know, it's a name we have not brought up and I, I can't even remember the last time we did, but I, it's something that's kind of been missing all year. And I think it's a guy inside and fucking Eddie Goldman. Cause we've been having a really difficult time all year being able to stop the run. And when we cannot stop the run, we can't really get a pass rush going in the first place. You know, the scheme definitely isn't helping anything because we're playing or it's almost like we're trying to play like Eddie Goldman is still in there. You know, like we have that one guy like in the middle that, that can, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's just not it, man. There's no, there hasn't been an adjustment. And I think that's my biggest problem with Pagano is we're seeing the same scheme kind of every single week. And we're not seeing him adjust to the players that are actually on the field, which is, is that not the biggest problem we've had with guys on the offensive side of the football guys with Matt Nagy? We have, we haven't seen him officially use Mitchell Trubisky the way we wanted him to. Now we got bill laser in here and we're seeing a little bit more of what Mitch does. It's that, that still rings true on the defensive side of the football, man. You have to use what you have. You have guys like Brent urban. You have guys like fucking, um, Akeem Hicks still in the middle. You have guy like Brakevius Mingo who can mix in there with run coverage. You got have a guy, uh, uh, John Jenkins in the middle as well. You know, those are guys that can all do good stuff against the run, but they're going to need that extra guy as help. You can't yeah. have three guys in the middle for against the run and it's just if, not going to work for us. And it hasn't, if I could put it in the most easy to understand way as possible, what Duke's getting at with Eddie Goldman is, you know how like sometimes when you're looking at Cleo Mack and you're like, damn, they're putting two blockers on him in an obvious pass rush situation and they're chipping him with a back. That type of game planning goes into containing Eddie Goldman in the run game. And I think that's how much he affects the run game and people don't realize it. But I mean, our guy Bilal Nichols keeps stepping up every single week, dude. And you mentioned Brent Urban. Brent Urban had a huge pass rush to make him dirt, to make Kirk Cousins dirted on fourth down on that one drive. Um, that and, was huge. And, and your boy Sharak Manis put the exclamation point on it. And to Don's point, I do, I don't want to fault Eddie because I don't think it was like he was being like, oh, I need to get another interception this season. I do think he was trying to tip it down. I think it just kind of is the way it bounced. Um, but we'll never really know that. It just, it, that's how it seemed to me. Um, it looked like he was just a little bit under it. And when he went to go slap it down, it kind of like, he it's like slapped it. And it kind of like backspinned into his, yeah, onto his hand and like popped up. The um, visual, the visual of that is like when you walk up to someone and just go like this under their man boots, just dude, like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know the scoop, you know the scoop yeah. score? <laughs> it was literally like for, you're such a jag off. Literally, you know the scoop and score. It was literally like 43 seconds that that um, ball was up up in the air. But no, I think I think you're right. We're seeing these flashes of specific players. I mean, I think the Bears did not sack Kirk Cousins once um, in their last meeting. They had three today, um, so they were able to get to him a little bit more. And you got to understand, Delvin Cook does this to everyone. Too. Yeah, Delvin Cook does this to everyone. Robert Quinn got himself a strip sack for you know, nice to have a sighting. Fuck, dude. Now he's got two sacks. So I guess we're seven, seven, seven mil sack. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. But the reality is um, he did show up today and I thought he was a lot more active in general. It looked like he was actually trying to get to somebody instead of like, I don't know, selflessly letting fucking someone else make a play. That's that's how a lot of people have spun it, that he's which I do agree with. He is. He has been pretty selfless. He knows he's not getting to the quarterback. So he's he's hitting stunts a little bit harder and dr drawing attention to him to open up lanes for guys like Bilal Nichols. Um, but Bilal Nichols starts off the game with a huge sack. I think I think overall we saw some of these individual plays um, from these players. And I think it really has to do with scheming. There's no you can't have this many studs on one fucking roster and, and let this happen to you. I'm sorry. And I understand Delvin Cook's a good player. This is the first time I think he broke over four yards a carry or 4.0 4 yards per carry against the Chicago bears. Um, since Matt Nagy's been here since the 2018 season, I think he had 5.5 a carry today. He also broke off some big runs, but like you said, when it really came down to it and we needed a stuff on fourth and one, we were able to make it happen. they started throwing the ball in those situations um, after that. So overall, like I, th it's hard to really judge the defense fairly. Cause I just feel like they let up 27 points and, and no right mind should they have let up 27 points, but they did. Um, 
they also made the plays that they needed to down the stretch, which is something we we've seen them not do in the fourth quarter. It was a weird 27 points. Like I feel like I texted you. I know I texted you in the first quarter after they, they got the Darnell Mooney touchdown and I'm like, there's no reason they can't put up 40 and they should be able to fucking route them. Like the Vikings defense did not look good today. They were also playing on backup corners as well. And, uh, Gladney and the other guy's name is slipping out right now. I can't think of it, but they have a lot of young players on that defense. And the thing is right now, you know, you have to control. We can control. We needed to win three football games with, you know, four, if you throw in last week, they got to go into Jacksonville and not overlook that team. But the way they played today offensively with the exception of, you know, the late interception is the way that we should expect them to play every week. I think in the last three first halves, They've put up over 20, 21 or 24 points. Mr. Trubisky has as many 20 point first halves as Nick Foles does 20 point games in 2018. Yeah, so it's like, I'm sorry. It's like, uh, and, and one thing I was actually talking about with Ethan during the game, we actually were laughing. I was like, damn, the over under for this game was only 47. The Bears have probably been crushing their team totals and game totals for overs because they're usually not. You know, they're not putting up fucking 30 points a game. So, yeah, it's, so I I got just real quick here, Lucas. I got two big stats for you guys right here. And I think, you know, we we praise Mitch to the absolute fucking moon because that's our guy. And, you know, that's he plays a giant role in how this offense is going, especially with how we run the football with him in there. So huge. But, but can we talk about fucking David Montgomery? So I got two stats here for you today. 32 carries for 146 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. I'm so I'm so aroused while adding a 16 <laughs> yard catch. And now get this, our fucking on one of our on tap guys, Rob, Rob Wegley. He knows we're not math guys. So he did the math for us. So David Montgomery stat line over the last four games averaged out over 16 games, 2,284 yards from scrimmage and 24 touchdowns. Yeah. I know. But that's dude, that's impossible. Just, but that goes to show how good he's playing right now. He's right now. He's playing like a top level back. I wouldn't call him. Listen, I think, I, and and that's kind of what I was getting at with Delvin Cook and the defense. Delvin Cook and Derrick Henry are the two best running backs in the league. No question about it. I think they're in their own tier. Maybe when Barkley's healthy, he can get into that tier as well. But we haven't been able to see as we know the talents there, but we haven't been able to see the production as much as we'd like from Barkley. But overall, I just think. The reality is um, there things are finally starting to click. And and I think it's just it's something nice to see. You know what I mean? Like who would have thought that a Mitchell Trubisky led offense would have bailed out the defense continuously throughout a game? And like, you know, if we're going to talk about David Montgomery, he's got uh, if he averages 120 yards the next two games, which is extremely sustainable or, or possible, especially against if he has a big game against the Packers. I mean, this guy could break a thousand yards and you think about how little amount of opportunity he got in the beginning of the season, how little running room there was. If this guy cracks a thousand yards behind this fucking offensive line and this dog shit system, I mean, the guy is a, a, he's a top tier back. I think he's right below those guys. I think he's in the same category as Aaron Jones. I, I really do. And I think we've seen enough from him that now it's like, wow, when he finally has some fucking space, watch him go to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know we, I know we've definitely talked about it. Um, you know, the past few weeks and I know B Don's definitely going to get a hard on about this one, but man, can we again 
talk about how well Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars have changed kind of the tempo on this offensive line. Like they have uh, Sam Mustafer in general has been praised by coaching staff by kind of being like the biggest guy in the room. And that's a big, that is a big fucking, that's a stand-up comment for a rookie, man. Well, and this is the one, rookie. yeah, because we're talking about Bidon's guys, so I want him to take this um, in depth. But the one thing that you notice, and I know a lot of people have pointed out, they sprint. They don't just fucking jog over to their guy after they get hit. If Mitch goes down, if Dave Montgomery gets tackled, you'll see these guys sprinting down the field to go fucking lift up their guy. And that, to me, that's like, those are the intangibles of an offensive line that you can't do. And I think that's a product of Notre Dame. I know beat took a tough loss yesterday, but we weren't able to start running the ball until Cole Komet, Sam Mustafer and Alex bars were all on the field regularly at the same time. Yeah. And that's a very good point. And, and we talked, we've talked about these guys for the last few seasons and they haven't really seen, you know, the light of day as far as, you know, getting real playing time until this year. And the one thing that I'll say, and I know Duke, you know, loves Wisconsin and thinks that Wisconsin's all on you, but you just have to look at, you know, the last 10 to 15 years, the amount of guys that Notre Dame has put into the NFL that are high level offensive linemen. And then one thing that, you know, I talk about a lot, especially on Irish on tap is Notre Dame doesn't recruit shit bags. They sign they sign, you know, great young men or they sign great young kids and turn them into great young men. You know, Brian Kelly's a great coach and they were under Harry he stand over there at Notre Dame and someone that we saw come, you know, work for the bears. Didn't have the fall success. guy, fall yeah, guy. We, just say it like it is. Yeah. Fall guy, big time. But yeah, I, it just goes to show you that there is like a Notre Dame difference. Like a lot of people, they hate Notre Dame on tap chat was not very fun last night. <laughs> I, be, I, be, I became the alcohol last night. Uh, yeah, it was a very long night. Um, yeah. It was brutal. I did not end up going to the game, which I'm actually hindsight not too pissed about after the outcome. But uh, you would have woke you know, up on Myrtle Beach, dog. Hey, they're still in the playoffs, and Bears are still fighting for the playoffs. So that's it. Turn See, the that's page. All you got to go to the next all, week. That's all I could ask for. And you know, to Monty's point for today, bro. Like, I I just cannot. I get so excited every time he touches the ball, bro. Like he refuses to go down. He is in my, I think the last time I checked, he leads the NFL, the entire NFL in yards after contact. Like yeah. he just absolutely refuses to go down. If and you leave your feet to tackle David Montgomery, you will bounce off. Him. You have yeah. to fucking come up and square him up. And that pe people don't want to do that 32, 32 times a game. And yeah, that's why we've been uh, preaching. Run the fucking we gotta, ball. We got to come up with like a tractor Cito type nickname for him. But the one thing that I really like cannot fucking stand, and this will be my one like rant or super angry take. What the fuck is wrong with Chicago Bears, Twitter, Facebook and fans to where it's like every single time Mitch balls out. And I know he had the pick late. OK, I know he had the pick late, but insert whoever we're playing that team name and all oh, we just played the lions or oh we just played the texans oh we just played the fight who gives a fuck they're nfl players you gotta find a way to figure it out like i'm tired of hearing that same narrative every the reality time. is dude they're just basking in all their losses all their takes are dog shit everyone knows who they are it's they, they're basking in it it's, it's all it comes down to and i mean you want to talk about how how good the um 
if you want to say, if you want to spin it and say that the, uh, what's it called defense is so great or what, or they're not very good or whatever. Well, the Cowboys put up only the Cowboys put up 31, the Panthers put up 27, the Jaguars put up 24, the Buccaneers put up 26 and the bears put up 33. So obviously they're doing something fucking right. And the one thing about Mitchell, the reason why that ball got picked and I wish the coaching staff would have gotten a little bit more involved. The one thing I noticed, and it was, I want to say a driver two before it was very clear that Mike Zimmer said, okay, we're not letting them run this drag bullshit. We're going to take that away. What everyone thought that Mitchell Trubisky could only do like what he did in the Dallas game or what he did against Houston or blah, 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 blah. blah. So they started saying, okay, we're going to make you throw outside and outside. I'm sorry. They're gonna, they pretty much said, we're challenging you to throw the ball to the sidelines outside the numbers and down the field. And he was, and he was doing it and he was getting very comfortable. And then Harrison Smith made a break on a ball where him and that linebacker actually collided. It should have been an interception earlier at that point. I feel like now you, this is what I'm saying about in-game adjustments with Matt Nagy. And the reality is like, I'm happy with the way things are going, but Matt Nagy is such a shit box and he botched so many things in this team. That's how talented this team is. He botched so many things throughout this entire year, and they're still fighting and clawing for a playoff spot, and they shouldn't be in the position where they're fighting and clawing. That's the reality. We all know it at this point. But I just think at that point, you already see that these guys are breaking on the outside throws. Okay, start start working the middle of the fucking field then. Have a, have a wheel route go outside and have a fucking crosser come through the inside. Like, what are you doing here, guys? Yeah, you know, uh, kind of back to the original point that Beaton made, uh, just because I wanted to touch on it uh, for a split second, I guess. Um, dude, these guys are grown ass men. They get paid to do what they do. Um, Ray Lewis back in the day said it best: "Buck up your chin strap. You got to play." You know, I don't give a shit who Mitchell Trubisky does this against. The point is, he's doing it as an NFL quarterback in the NFL against an NFL team. You know, the, you don't realize how good of a player you have to be in the NFL to even hit a fucking practice squad, to even be an undrafted player, to get a fucking camp invite. Like there are high quality football players out there right now who are not even on an NFL roster's radar. So when you want to jump, jump up and down and say, well, he only did it against this and only did it against that. Like, you know, dude, listen to what Lucas just said about everything that Mitchell Trubisky was doing well today. That's doing it against an NFL NFL defense. That's doing it against a guy in Mike Zimmer, who is considered even, even not being one of the best head coaches in the NFL. Cause I think that ship's kind of sailed with him. He's still considered around league as one of the best defensive minds in football. It's the same thing when somebody does something defensive coach, no doubt yeah. about it. And it's the same thing when somebody did something against a Vic Fangio defense or somebody did something against a Lovey Smith defense when Lovey was still in the league. It, it still fucking meant something because that was still a defensive mind that was very well respected around the league. So yeah, man, it, that is a BS excuse. And we're going to see it a lot. You know, I made the comment with, uh, you know, one of the guys in our group chat, Lucas Joseph, um, he made the tweet talking about how you know, how much that one interception by Mitchell Trubisky is going to get broken down by people who just want something to be miserable about. And Hey, you know, open challenge. If anyone wants to take a shot this, uh, this Christmas, uh, this Christmas holiday for every time that piece of film gets broken down, I guarantee you'll have a great fucking Christmas and you won't be able to hear your in-laws anymore. Yeah. I would like to say that those guys tuck their sack back and fart on their own balls, but I think the reality is I don't think their sack reaches. So they're just, they're just barely dusting it. Um, but no, at the end of the day, I think we all know Mitchell Trubisky played pretty well. His his yardage actually in term in terms of the last couple games was was down. Um, but he still we saw him making big fucking throws. Uh, I can't wait for the advanced stats to come out. I want to see how many throws he was making down. And there were a couple things too. Another thing too that I'm loving to see 
the evolution of Darnell Mooney. They are starting to get this kid incorporated and, and uting, utilizing him to his strengths. Um, and, and for someone that's so small, like he kind of got lit up a little bit last week. He finds a way to have that, like Lamar Jackson, Tyree Hill. Like he finds a way to like defer the contact. He finds a way to make it not be so, um, abrasive, but I would like to see him put on a little bit more weight. Uh, just don't, just don't let that affect the wheels. Well, I mean, if, if I can make one comparison yesterday, uh, because I was watching boxing yesterday and uh, dude, Darnell Mooney is like uh, Canelo Alvarez, a small guy isn't going to win the size battle with anybody, but he's so good at, like you said, deferring punishment, being able to slip off of hits, being able to not get completely rocked to the point where he's going to get injured or get, you know, messed up. Not and I really right now, Jagoff. Yeah. Well, whatever. I was also saying that I think he's going to be a number one receiver and I'm going to stand by that because I truly think this is the type of player he can be. Stefan Diggs does all these things. All these things we just listed is something that Stefan Diggs, J- Jarvis Landry, even an Odell Beckham does. You know, and I really think that's the type of player, obviously not personality wise, but that's the type of player that I think Darnell Mooney can be. It's been good to see Darnell Mooney be one of the receivers that actually got an opportunity, despite how many that we have picked. Uh, Javon Wims with a fucking drop today. That was brutal to see. But hey, Mitch walled out in the first half, and it was a similar thing to where last week, you know, only the first incompletion was a drop. and. They had a perfect game going until then. But I think the thing is to look forward to the most over the next two weeks is to see if they can just continue to run the football like they're like they're doing. Because in the Packers game and and against Jackson, I'm not going to talk about the Jacksonville game, but the season really comes down to the Packers game. And you got to find a way to run the ball like they did today. And it's like if we can just like, if we can just trust Matt Nagy to not fuck it up and just run the football, like a normal head coach and not get trigger happy and try and throw the ball 50 times a game. I think I like our chances these next two weeks. They've been able to control these, the last three games. And, you know, I'm going to even throw Detroit in there. I know they fucking lost it at the end, but these last three games that they've played from quarter, you know, from the very beginning, they've had fast starts and played continuously well throughout the game. Yeah. I mean, it's it, the offense has been rolling um, and we really won't know how good it is until we see like a playoff type team, you know, because there are some there is some validity to the to the offense um, playing some some easier matchups. I do think that the Vikings have had done their best job confusing Mitch um, out of the division, really, uh, and the Packers as well. But I, I think I think that they've always Mitch is always kind of gotten the better end of the Vikings, but I do think that they game plan for him pretty well. I think Mike Zimmer knows his strengths and weaknesses pretty well. Um, we've seen him. I mean, he's gotten injured a couple times at Viking games too. So the Vikings have been a, uh, a love hate thing for Mitchell Trubisky, but at the end of the day, he slayed him. If he had a chance to play him twice this year, I'm almost willing to guarantee they'd be two and zero against him. but Hey, that's Matt Nagy's fucking life. He wants to ruin his division record. Um, you know, he wants to keep stacking up the fucking indictments against him, whether it's, the fact that all th- I mean, I can't I know I gave you some trouble about the about Notre Dame yesterday, but dude, all three of those Notre Dame guys bring some fucking nasty to that offensive line. Legitimate push, legitimate dudes getting chippy. Alex Barr, Sam Mustford and Cole Komet is a fucking dog in the running game. That big motherfucker will put his body on someone. No problem. So I really like what I'm seeing from all of them. Maybe if we were and I can understand Cole Komet a little bit more, but maybe if we murk these guys in a little bit earlier, things would be different. Maybe if we don't bench Mitch earlier, things would be different. I think we all know the narrative. Maybe if he handed over 
I guarantee you if he hands over play calling instead of benching Mitch in week three, benching himself, the Bears would be in a lot better spot. But where we're at where we're at right now, um, the Bears now, they realistically, no matter what, because they beat the Vikings, they have a 11% chance. Even if they drop the next two games, I believe that chance goes up to 45 if they beat the Jaguars, which is almost 50-50. You can't hate that. And then if they go ahead and sweep, you're at an 89% chance. I think we'd all like that. Um, so, yeah, that about does it for this week. Bears are 7-7, seven and seven, clawed back into it. Got to hope for an Eagles win this uh, this weekend. And, yeah, bear down. Yeah, um, I would like to say, I mean, all we got to do is get in. Like it doesn't matter who we beat to get there. Does not matter what happens to get there. You know, dude, look at beat down with Notre Dame. Notre Dame just lost to Clemson. They're still in the fucking show, and that's all that matters. Look at the Titans last ma- year, dude. Doesn't matter who we've lost to. Doesn't matter who we beat moving up. As long as we get in the fucking show, we stand a chance. And that's how I want everyone in Bears Twitter, any Bears fans out there. That's how you should look at this right now. If we get there. We have a chance because guess what? It's any given Sunday, especially when we're in the playoffs. Titans were a nine and seven, six seed that went to the AFC championship. So and they, played, the they played the chiefs well in that game too. So I have, I'm of the same mindset. It's been a long season. Uh, I didn't lose my voice from the bears game today though. I will say this is from last night, but it was a very old yeller type situation with Notre Dame. And uh, like you guys said, I'm lucky they got into the playoff and now my bears got a chance to uh, go ahead and do the same thing. And this is something that it really changes a lot for the future. Like if they get into the playoffs so much uh, of what we've talked about might not happen. Like Managi will probably be back. Ryan Pace will probably be back. There probably will not be uh, judgment day where everybody gets fired. So It's a lot that could change in these next few weeks, but one thing that we need from Bears fans and listeners of the show is to just stay positive, trust the process, trust the coaching, and trust his team because, like Duke said, any given Sunday. So, bear down. Bears by 1,000. I'll just say don't trust the coaching. Um, Be speculative of it. Keep the pressure on the McCaskies and Bears social media. Everyone everyone but uh, fucking Pagano and Nagy. Trust, like, all the – Trust the fucking Deshaun. Yeah, Town. for sure. The all the fucking position coaches, go ahead. Clancy Barone, we can it's, rattle them all off. Flip. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch the Bears, man. It's just fun to watch the Bears again. Enjoy the ride. What? Yeah, hundred percent. We have life, motherfuckers. Week seventeen will ma- will matter. And on that note, we love you guys and bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down.